from hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels. WestCoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. A deeper dive into the great personalities we know and love. Now, here's your host, Bob the Moj Marjanovich. Welcome to MoJohnSports.com, the bio. This is episode 33. Our guest is Cliff Ronick. Over 1,100 games in the National Hockey League, and of course, a part of that 94 Canuck team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Cliff Ronick, the bio, next. You're listening to the MoJohn Sports Podcast. Every athlete is looking for a competitive edge, and you can find one at StokoDesign.com. The K1 Embrace system wraps your legs with over 90 feet of high-strength support cables that are directly integrated into an ultra-comfortable compression tape. The cabling is positioned to naturally move with you, supporting your knee when you need it most. You can customize your level of support with two control dials in the waistband. This is the future of knee support. StokoDesign.com Got to tell you about my friends at the Clayton Public House. Talk about a great room, just huge, spacious, plenty of light. The food is unbelievable. And by the way, did I mention they just rented their patio? Check it all out. The Clayton Public House, 5640 188th Street in Surrey. This is the Mojon Sports Podcast. Time now for our feature bio. Here's Bob the Moj Marjanovich. Welcome to MojohnSports.com. This is the bio. Our guest today is Cliff Ronning. 1,165 games in the National Hockey League. Of course, part of that Vancouver Canuck team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 1994. And we're thrilled to talk to Cliff about his story. Cliff, welcome. Well, thank you. Nice to have you on board. First off, let's talk about Cliff Ronning growing up. Born in Burnaby. What were your... What are your memories of your childhood in Burnaby growing up? What was it like? Well, I mean, I, I grew up on a, a street called Maureen Crescent, and it was a very interesting place. Everyone was into sports. Uh, the different brothers and my brother, we, we would always play after school, either uh, road hockey or, man, we even did races around the block to see who was the fastest. So, I mean, it was just something uh, the Lottie family played lacrosse and, kind of just so many different sports and that was kind of our main focus was uh, we enjoyed that was sports big in your family you know i think as it went on yes uh, my parents i've been very fortunate they're still around and my mom and dad uh, they did everything was about their kids and first and foremost and my brother was a great athlete uh, he started off as a track and field and played uh, lacrosse won championships and then went on to play music and followed his dream and I was the obviously the younger brother that, uh, you know, I just love playing sports. It was just came natural to me. It's what my, uh, what got me excited. A lot of sibling rivalries, I imagine. Like you're that little brother always tagging along, wanting to play road hockey with the older guys. I was that guy. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely that, uh, the little kid on the block that, uh, you know, they'd stick me in net and shoot balls at me and I'd have to take it and be tough. What were your first memories of hockey? 
Well, first memories, uh, I actually started at Riley Park at, at five years old because my brother went there to play and uh, other places wouldn't take anyone that was five. And I remember Joe McMeekin uh, ran a session and uh, he was a little aggressive, but uh, it was fun. I mean, way back when, and then I went from uh, from Riley Park, uh, then went to Bernie Winter Club and from six and on, that's where I uh, that's where I played uh, my minor hockey. You play other sports growing up? Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I was very fortunate. Uh, I played uh, lacrosse, and I think that made me a better player. Uh, I was harder to hit in the game of hockey, but I was very fortunate that uh, you know I had a coach named Jack Crosby. And coaching is, I think, crucial in, in kids' development teaching you how to win, but also teaching how to lose. And Jack Crosby was that guy. No, Cliff, it's interesting you mentioned about development. So much of what we see now is kids playing hockey all year round. And I think I've always been a fan of kids playing various sports, so they learn different skills. And, you know, even learning different personal skills. You mentioned learning a lot from Jack Crosby, who is your lacrosse coach. Right. And I know you've talked about this in the past that lacrosse really helped you in terms of how to roll off a hit that, you know, you never really got tagged in the game of hockey. I imagine you did a couple of times, but I mean, to survive over a thousand games in the league, um, you have to know how to avoid a lot of those big hits. And you, you remember you tell me that it was lacrosse that really kind of taught you that. Absolutely. I mean, lacrosse and, and I also played a bit of soccer. Soccer is very similar in the sense it's it's uh, a little bit understanding the give and go which a lot of kids don't understand now they just understand the go and try to beat kids one-on-one -on -one from going to too many hockey schools and the development starts you know really with coaching and at all different aspects of sports um, I'm sure I never played football but that's a tough game too or rugby all the sports just make a player uh, that much stronger overall when when you start turning like 16 17 years old playing against young men you mentioned Jack Crosby, of course, a famous lacrosse coach in the lower mainland area here. And you mentioned he taught you how to lose. What specifically, how specifically did he teach you how to lose? Well, I mean, how to lose is you got to make sure you, you give everything you have. And you look yourself in the mirror afterwards that you gave everything you had. And I, I just remember there was times our team went like 76 and one. Wow. That's how good our team was. And uh, we won like three Canadian championships and, he was just an amazing coach, but he also, when we did lose, you had to lose with dignity and suck it up, respect the opponent that beat you. And, and from then on, make sure it doesn't happen again. And I think uh, we gained a lot, a lot of respect uh, when we went back East and played Peterborough and we lost the game to Peterborough uh, and they were one heck of a team. So uh, I think a as a athlete, if you respect um, the game for what it is and why you're playing it, I think you become a better person, but also you become just a better player. When did you start to focus on hockey? I would say uh, I played lacrosse up till second year Bantam. And then I would say I played in the, the Kamloops tournament up in the Bantam championships up there. And our team did well. We beat uh, Detroit Little Caesars. And so pretty well Bantam is kind of when I started focusing. And then, you know, back when I played, there wasn't spring teams. Now there's so many spring teams for these young kids. Like you're saying that it's almost over development. But for me, when I, I, I would say 
the Bantam Championships, uh, I was, uh, I believe, MVP of the tournament. Um, and uh, and then also uh, another player, Bob Genetti, was a great hockey player locally that uh, I think was top scorer. And you played in the big midget tournament in Quebec City, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Went up against Patrick Waugh? Yeah, actually, uh, it was in Victoria. Okay. Um, the Air Canada Cup. Um, and that was a time, I guess, when I real, realized that, you know what, who knows, maybe I can play at the highest level in the NHL. I was fortunate enough to uh, be on the first ever winning team um, out of BC, and they've never had a team win since. So, uh, And we were down to like 13 players. Al Patterson was our coach. So we were very fortunate. I, I, I always felt that back then we actually had the same lacrosse team we would go play hockey so it was it was <laughs> phenomenal because everyone knew each other and uh that was a crossover that was very special hey i gotta ask you growing up who did you idolize because we're both similar vintage we're a year apart yeah and I, I'm, I'm i know what my answer for this question or what i think you're gonna say but i'll ask you anyway well of course i mean for me wayne gretzky um i thought just he was a spectacular player he changed the game and uh I mean, there were so many great players. There was a, a, another player, uh, Montreal Canadian. Obviously, everyone loves Guy Lafleur. He's one of my favorites. But uh, Mats Naslin uh, was a little tiny, like myself, five foot seven, one sixty-five. We weighed kind of the same, and uh, he was just a beautiful player. And, and I saw that he was, uh, you know, maneuvering himself around, and it was just kind of instantly enjoyed watching him. I, you know what? I thought for the life of me, it would have been Bobby Lalonde. A Canuck <laughs> who played in the 70s. He was, like, he was what, 5'5", five, five, I think, 5'6", yeah. shortest player in the league. I thought for sure you'd go with Bobby Lalonde. Well, I, you know what? I never really focused on uh, watching him. Um, I guess it was a little bit uh, later on. Is I guess he was a little bit earlier than that. All right, you played junior with the New West Bruins, and what a cast of characters. The late, great Todd Ewan, Craig Berube, Poke Reddick, Billy Ranford. Um, Brian Noonan, Brent Hughes, a lot of guys that went on and had successful NHL careers. What was that experience like? Well, I mean, I was very fortunate to, to be on such a great team. We had a, a great coach in Al Patterson who really cared about the players. But, you know, I look back, you know, I, I was putting up numbers, but I think as you get older, you really realize that you wouldn't have put up the numbers if you didn't have guys like Todd Ewan watching you, Craig Berube, you know, Jim Camazola. I mean, there was times I remember – one time, Jim Camelzola in a game, one guy tried to run me through the boards and all of a sudden, Jimmy gets in a fight and as he looks over at me, the guy hits him right in the nose, his nose is sideways and he's like, I'm thinking, oh man, this, 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 is, uh, this guy's doing whatever he can to, you know, to win, but also to save me out there. And I think uh, I, I gained so much respect uh, when these tough guys were protecting me for sure. You light it up in the Western Hockey League. I mean, some crazy numbers, almost 200 points. Um, yet when you get drafted by St. Louis in 1984, it's the seventh round. What were your emotions when you were drafted by St. Louis in the seventh? Oh, I, I, I was, I guess, hoping I'd be going sooner. I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't want the Canucks to draft me. So that was something that, uh, that was my goal was to play for my hometown for sure. And I thought, you know, playing in my hometown, uh, having a good uh, junior season that, that I would get picked up. Uh, but they decided to go with uh, seven other guys before me, you know, and to this day, I'm still kind of baffled on it. But overall, I, 
I was upset that I was kind of drafted in the seventh round, but at the time it went fifth, sixth, and then the seventh. Um, I was just thankful that anyone took me, that anyone thought, you know what? If it wasn't for Ted Hampson, who actually ended up scouting for the Canucks, but uh, he was the one that said, you know what? Let's try, let's make this kid uh, see what he's got. And whenever someone gives you a little bit of hope, uh, it's a good feeling. You make your debut with the Blues, and most of the times when players make the NHL debuts, it's, of course, during the NHL's regular season. Um, there's always the pressure of walking into that dressing room and looking around. You did it during a playoff series against the Minnesota North Stars. I mean, you walk into that room, you got great Hall of Famers, Bernie Federko, uh, Dougie Gilmore, uh, Mullen, Sutter. What was that like when you walk into that room during the playoffs as a guy who's a rookie? Yeah, I, I, I remember it uh, like it was yesterday. I mean, what happened was uh, they, they used to bring up five players from junior hockey, and you're considered back then the Black Aces. So they wanted you to get a feel, see what it's like uh, in the big show and the fans. And so you'd practice in the morning. You'd stay away from the team and uh, skate hard. And, you know, so you kind of get the feel for it. Um, and myself brian benning was one of them uh herb raglan um robert dirk was also there so there's four of the guys and i think jablonski the goalie was the other one so we're all of a sudden one of the guys get hurt uh it was actually against the calgary flames in the semifinals, and uh i played my first ever game they threw me in there uh, just to play the power play and you know, I was on a line, I believe at the time, on the power play of Gilmore, Federico, and myself. Uh, I can't remember who was on D, which is strange. But uh, overall, I mean, we ended up winning that game. And uh, I was very fortunate. I ended up scoring a goal. And it was just something that, you know, as a kid, you always dream of. You always try to prove people wrong. And when you're the size that I was playing the game, especially for those young kids out there, that uh, you work hard and you train hard and, and anything's possible in life. More with Cliff Ronning after these messages. Like what you hear? We'd love to have you on board with us as a partner. If you have a business that could benefit from partnering with us, please contact us at mojohnsports.com. Whenever it comes to tires or meeting your automotive needs, I only send my friends to one place, OK Tire in Langley. OK Tire in Langley is more than just tires. It's about complete automotive care, and it's about being treated right by my good friends, the Delaney family. Delaney's OK Tire in Langley, 19863 Fraser Highway, or call them at 604-530-2545. Redefine how you lead. Take the next step in your leadership journey with Ignite Management. Become a leader that positively impacts those around you. Create an environment where your team thrives. Be in control of your own development with a detailed analysis of your leadership style, complete with actionable insights and recommendations. Visit ignitemanagement.ca for more info. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. You're listening to the Moj on Sports Podcast. Cliff, you talk about the you know the size thing, and, and I've talked to so many athletes who 
were undersized, they talk about the fact that that was such a motivator for them, such a thing that kind of fueled them. You know what I mean? That, well, you're not big enough. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to show you. I mean, I imagine that was something that was uh, true with you as well. Absolutely. I mean, that, that it started with me since I was peewee hockey. I was always uh, the smallest kid on the team. Uh, you know, I wasn't the best skater, but I put my time in believe it or not, at, at uh, four rinks. You probably remember four rinks. Yep. Uh, and I would go and skate almost, you know, from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock uh, almost every day. Um, I went to school from 9 to 12 and then went and skated, played casual hockey. And uh, I guess just by playing for the love of the game, my skating got better and made me be able to push myself. But from peewee on in lacrosse and hockey, everything I played, I was always too small. And I would say that was the number one thing that uh, drove me to push harder, for sure. When you're in St. Louis, then you decide to play overseas in Asiago, Italy. What precipitated that move? Well, I mean, you're used to playing, you know, quite a bit uh, in junior. And I, I really played the game because I loved it. Um, it never really came down to, to money. It was It's what I love to do. I know it sounds kind of strange but that's just what I do I mean I still play hockey to this day because it's fun and it makes me feel good I was only playing just power play in St. Louis and and uh, getting five shifts a game I was pretty well uh, I guess uh, like a field goal kicker and I wanted a little bit more I wanted to enjoy playing the game again and I got the opportunity uh, a great man Ron Chipperfield uh, gave my agent a call and they worked out a deal that they pretty well matched what uh, St. Louis was uh, matching. And I went there and uh, believe it or not, I think I got too much ice time. <laughs> so there's a happy medium of, of uh, doing something like that. Man, Rod Chipperfield, I remember watching him play for the Brandon Weekings. He was a stud in the Western Hockey League. I think he played for the Vancouver Blazers as well, if I'm not mistaken, of the WHA. Um, you come back, you play in St. Louis for a season, then you get traded to Vancouver. I mean, you talked about it earlier the fact that your dream was to play for the Canucks. Where were you when you found out and give us the background on when you found out that you were being traded to Vancouver? I remember it was, uh, we were in Hartford and uh, we were just getting off the ice and there was rumblings that something was going to happen. And we had a good team in St. Louis at the time, which uh, Brett Hall said that he thought that we could have possibly won the whole thing. But um, all of a sudden, there was a bit of controversy going between uh, possibly the coach and one of the players. So uh, kind of ignited possibly a trade. And from there, all of a sudden, I believe it was uh courts came up and said, Hey man, we just got traded. I'm going, really? He goes, yeah, you won't believe where I go. Well, where he goes, we're going to Vancouver. So instantly I'm super excited because wow. that is my dream, but I'm still a player that hasn't really, I guess, solidified my position as a NHL player consistently. And instantly I got like, oh, my God. I mean, now I have to make sure that uh, whatever I do, it's either, you know, uh, sink or swim. Because now I'm going where I'm from and, and uh, all my friends, family, and, and I guess uh, mentally in your head, you're, you're thinking bad thoughts. But one thing I learned uh, over the years is you can change your thoughts and put them into uh, positive thoughts. And I think that really helped me uh, become a better player by 
having positive thoughts and understanding uh, anything's possible again. Three consecutive 20 goal seasons. You talked about the positive thoughts. What else made it click for you in Vancouver? Well, I mean, the most obvious is the first time I ever got a chance to play on a, on a top line. Um, I always played fourth line with usually two guys that were fighters, but I finally got an opportunity and it was because of Pat Quinn saw something. Um, I think at the time we arrived with the Canucks, uh, Trevor Linden was there as the captain and you could see he was kind of distraught with the energy levels and the, the compete level of the team. And instantly when they made that trade, they brought in four guys that were all from BC and they had to compete because the pressure was on them. And sometimes pressure makes you a better player. And, you know, without Pat Quinn, I would have never have the opportunity, of course. But when I did get the opportunity, you know, playing with the uh, first time ever playing with two 40 goal scorers on my wings, uh, I think it really helped me become uh, the best player I ever became uh, playing with those two guys early. The highlight is 94 in the playoff run. And I remember doing a piece with you I think it might have been the 20 year reunion, maybe the 10 or pardon me, the, the anniversary, 20 year anniversary or 10 year anniversary. And I'll never forget what you told me. Game six in Vancouver, you said is the loudest building you've ever been in in the National Hockey League. Absolutely. I mean, it was it was deafening. I mean, our team, that was the best game the Canucks have ever played from start to finish. I think it was six two or five two. Everyone was playing at their best. I mean, Pavel Burry was completely on fire. They couldn't stop him. Uh, McLean was making saves, uh, Babbage was, I mean, everyone was playing just amazing. You could feel the energy and uh, the fans for the first time, you could just feel that they felt that, you know what, who knows, this could happen. This team is playing that well. And uh, the Canuck fans really uh, fed the, the fire for all of us that, uh, that anything's possible that year. You know, anyone who's played sports has obviously been on really good teams, been on really bad teams. And when you're on those really good teams, you always know that you're going to find a way to win. You always have that belief. Hey, you know what? We're going to win. We'll, we'll find a way. We'll get this done. And even as a fan that you're kind of getting caught up into it, I just remember Pavel taking that face off with whatever, two seconds. And I'm like, he's going to score. He has to score, right? I mean, it's just, that's the way, you, you know, you, you built a belief system in that team. And when he does it, I mean, it was just, it was like, you know, crushing even from a fan's perspective. And I'll never forget the shots of the players and Trevor Linden, like, you know, sunk against the boards, Dave Babich. When you look back at that 94 series, I mean, how do you describe your emotions? I mean, so many great things, but that bitter, bitter taste of defeat as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was hard because I broke my hand with the last six minutes of the game in game six. So I was dealing with other things mentally. Do I play, not play? Do they reset my hand? Do they shoot my arm up? Do they tape the hockey stick to the end of the, the shaft on the stick? We were thinking of all different things. I said, listen, I'm playing no matter what, even if it's one shift or two. And, but not just myself, but Trevor Linden had uh, rib cartilage. Uh, I mean, there wasn't one guy in our team that wasn't beat up. And I'm sure the other team was just as bad, but um, I think we were beat up pretty bad. They were very... A lot of their guys uh, have been there before. And, you know, with the last six minutes of the game and, and game six, they started taking liberties on guys. I think they went and cross-checked uh, uh, Trevor Linden at, by the end and yeah. cracked his ribs. And then I'm trying to think of the guy now who got me. Uh, I just remember 26. 
grabbed me and threw me on the ground and broke my hand. So it was just, these are things that uh, you wish you could have went back the next year and played again, because you'd learn, uh, you know, these little things that that's what happens to win that cup. Anything can happen. You got to be ready for it. And uh, up six, two and a couple guys got hurt. It was just that much harder for us to, to win that final game, but it was really difficult uh, to come into the dressing room afterwards, knowing that everyone gave everything they had. And, you know, I mean, to see Pat Quinn choked up, that was, uh, that was tough. Cliff, how difficult was it leaving Vancouver? You talked about the joy of coming to Vancouver and that trade from St. Louis, but then departing for Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, that was tough. I mean, I wish I was that guy that uh, played for the Canucks for 15 years. Um, but, you know, nothing's perfect in life. And, and I was fortunate to play uh, five years there. And, you know, really what happened was uh, I, I I was pretty well offered less, less money at the time uh, when I had a really good season. The team did well. They moved to the new rink. And, and uh, you know, at the time I was just looking to make the same as what I was making before. But, you know, they wanted to give me like a 30% pay cut. And I think I performed at 85 points. Uh, we thought it was a little bit ridiculous. But in the end, uh, it worked out for me and my family. We got to play in other, uh, other cities and absolutely loved it. And it, it probably prolonged my career. And I think that was uh, the best part about when I did end up going and, and um, signing with the Phoenix Coyotes, uh, you know, it was a great, a great thing when I got there. I'm, I was matured. I, I played in the finals. I believe I was 30 years old, uh, starting to become a, a player that's, you know, has a little bit of uh, a cachet of, of likes to win and, and works hard and fell in my role as a second line center. And uh, our team did very well that year. Several years in Phoenix, then you head off to Nashville. What, we all know that Nashville's is crazy hockey market now. What was it like in its infancy when you were there? It was special. And it, it, to me, it's still a special place. Of all the places I've ever played, uh, it's just very family-oriented. Um, Everything's new, exciting, but it has that uh, country music feel. The country stars love the game of hockey, and uh, it's, it, it's a fun place to go to watch a game. And even better to play in the game when you're there. Uh, I mean, overall, uh, five years there were for my family it was probably the best five years of of us uh, growing up as a family. They're at that age that uh, uh, the fun age, you know, of twelve and five and and three years old. So for us as a family, we really grew there. You spend time with L.A., Minnesota, and the Islanders to wrap up your career. What stood out for you? Well, I mean, my biggest disappointment would be going to L.A. Uh, L.A. was, uh, I think I was really kind of the first time kind of distraught that I did get traded. Uh, I, was, I, I believe I was one of the top scorers in the team. Our team was doing good. Um, but I was moved at, uh, at, a, at a, an older age, I guess they'd say, kind of washed up as uh, they put it. But, you know, I, I didn't play as well as I wanted to. And uh, that was the one time that I didn't. Uh, do as well as I felt I could have. I would have liked to have gone back and redid that, but that's just the way it works. And, you know, um, 
we had a good team, Ziggy Palfy and players like that. I just didn't play as good as I think I could have to help that team. When it's all said and done, 1,137 games you survived in the National Hockey League and you thrived in the National Hockey League. And I remember having this conversation with you before because the one thing you knew was how to take care of yourself and how to protect yourself in the game. And I know that we've talked about it in the past that it drives me nuts now when you see a guy in the corner and he turns his back and, you know, he, he's facing the boards and he winds up getting crushed and there's an injury. And you, I remember you just shaking your head going, I would have never have done that in my day. You know what? I, I guess one thing I learned, especially from lacrosse and, and playing hockey in our era, our era, I was just kind of, my era was kind of like when the, the gooning was starting to slow down a little bit, but you would never go into the boards without looking over both shoulders. Uh, I mean, I know when I played, I knew, especially in the NHL, when I went on the ice, I knew what two defensemen were out there and what forwards were out there. And, and you knew from their character, which guys are going to, you know, cross the line and try to take your legs out or, you know, take you a, an elbow to the head. Um, you had to be constantly thinking of that all the time. And, Luckily for me, I only got really hammered or clocked twice, and uh, that was for not paying attention in on all those games. Cliff, you played for some great coaches, Pat Quinn, Jacques, Demer Jacques Demers, Brian Sutter, uh, Barry Trott, Jacques Lemaire. Um, when you look back at those coaches that you had, who probably had the biggest influences on you and why? Well, Pat Quinn. I mean, Pat Quinn, just a special man. And uh, he just, he did whatever he could to help any of his players. And that's one thing that Pat Quinn was. Jacques Lemaire, uh, 11 Stanley Cups. I mean, he has the hockey mind of a genius. I don't think anyone's smarter than him in the game of hockey. Uh, Barry Trotz, uh, very similar to Pat Quinn. He's all heart. Um, and he'll make sure he does whatever he can to help you. Uh, get to that next stage of, of career, but it also be straight up and tell you, Hey, you know, you're, you've gained a bit of weight. You got to start working out more. Uh, you know, he said that to me as I was a little bit older uh, with Nashville. So, I mean, uh, straight up, those, those three are very special uh, coaches. Uh, Brian Sutter was uh, meat and potatoes. Uh, for me, it was hard to play for him because, you know, you have to fight. Uh, it's a different mindset but I understand the mindset of a, a Brian Sutter, why he's successful. Um, but for me, the first three were definitely, uh, I'm very fortunate to have played for them. It worked for me. One thing I realized about you, and we'll get into this a little bit more, is you're a details guy. And, and I remember you telling me about Lemaire, and I said, what is it about Lemaire? And you made the point, like, you know, he, just the, the fact that he knows the angle of your where your hockey stick should be in the neutral zone to take away passes. I remember you you telling me that story that that's how detail oriented Lemaire was was just even the angle of your stick in the neutral zone to take away lanes was something that he would like teach you guys. Yes, he he was. I mean, he was three times ahead of a lot of coaches. Uh, you know, a lot of, some of the coaches focused on doing whatever you can. You know, dive in front of pucks. But he was different. He, he was talking about the different angles of sticks, understanding when a defenseman is going behind the net on his backhand that he can't backhand the puck out. So don't let him turn uh, to, to his forehand to make the pass. And sure enough, I mean, he, he would 
stifle teams, uh, especially that year we played the Canucks uh, in the playoffs when our team wasn't even close to the level of talent that the Bertuzzi's and, and, and uh, Naslin's and, and Morrison's, and we still found a way to win out of complete intelligence. And that's just the way Jacques Lemaire was. Cliff, after hockey, um, you transition rather well to base hockey. Of course, the company that you have that focuses on hockey sticks, development of hockey sticks and all that. And it's kind of funny because we talk about you being a details guy. Was it an easy transition for you? I mean, did you just kind of slide into that or was there a time where you were kind of trying to figure out what you wanted to do? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've always wanted to coach. I think uh, that would have been fun or even assistant coach, but you got to put your time in and I didn't put my time in. But uh, hockey sticks was something that I always thought, look for the advantage in a game. It's either wearing the proper skates, but sticks is the one thing that you only can use one stick at a time on the ice. And in golf, they custom fit people with hockey sticks and or, or golf clubs. And and I just felt there's got to be more to the, the game of hockey. But I really learned the business, business side of hockey, and, and there's a bit of politics involved too. But... You know, I guess for me with base hockey right now, we're not selling a product in Canada. We kind of fell into a snag. Uh, Ron Kunisaki, you know, the, the founder had a, a major heart attack. So it kind of put a little bit of damper on that. So a lot of things on, on the hockey stick sides on hold right now to see how he, how he prevails and how he gets, if he's able to continue. Well, we wish him nothing but the best. I remember a conversation we had watching a practice that kind of like ties into everything that we talked about, but we were watching a practice and it might've even been a prospects camp or something. And we were like rink at rink level, you and I, and you said something along the lines of this guy can be beat on the outside. Look at the angle of his skates. And like, you know, you were noticing the, the defenseman skates and the angle. And you said something along the lines, you can beat this guy outside all day long. Just, it was something along those lines. I remember it was to do with the defenseman skates. And I asked you, you know, you should get into coaching. And you said, ah, oh, I still got the kids at home. The kids are all gone now, Cliff. They're, I got them sprinkled all across North America. One's going to school in Nashville. You got one in California. Ty's playing hockey. Have you ever kind of contemplated getting back in as a coach? Well, I'm ready to do something like that. Absolutely. Oh. Um, I mean, it was something that my brain thinks that way. I'm always looking at different angles and, and figuring out, ways to beat the opponent um right down to you know making sure very detailed like you said it just it comes natural to me um and there are a lot of things that don't come naturally but for some reason understanding sports uh just seems to work we mentioned ty ronning your son of course playing minor uh, hockey in the american hockey league the last few years now at the minnesota wild organization how much fun has it been to see him follow his dream i mean it's Overall, it's exciting, but sometimes when you know a lot of the game and the politics of the game, it kind of makes it that much harder. Mm. But uh, Ty's doing great. He played the other night, scored a goal, so uh, he's super happy right now. He's in Iowa, and uh, you know he's very fortunate to, to be in an organization that uh, doesn't mind having Western Hockey League kids. And you know Dean Evison uh, played against him many times, and. Uh, they give everyone a chance. They brought up 11 kids last year. So, you know, his Ty's job is to go uh, down to the minors and work as hard as he can and try to catch the eye of uh, 
to Bill Guerin and, and possibly they get a couple injuries, uh, Ty will be right there because uh, he's definitely a great player. He just needs that opportunity that I got when I went to Vancouver and, and uh, was given by Pat Quinn. And of course, obviously proud of your daughters going to school in the States, pursuing their education. Um, what's it like being an empty nester for you right now? It's different. Uh, you know, you definitely got to pick up some uh, hobbies, uh, doing a little bit of golfing. But I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, like how my parents were, um, we really look forward to going to visit the kids now. And I feel very blessed that, uh, you know, things are expensive to go and, and to different cities and, and watch your kids. And I feel very fortunate that hockey gave me this opportunity and uh, to be able to go and spend time with Ty. Uh, we plan on going out and watching him play live out in Iowa. And, and uh, my daughter just had a wedding out in New York uh, that was super exciting. And my youngest daughter now is uh, Carly going to school in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, it's going to school uh, for music. So we're really excited for her. Well, that's awesome. And I'm glad to hear everything's going well. And hopefully uh, everything picks up with base hockey as well. Cliff, this has been an absolute blast. Um, just learning your story and, and, you know, talking about so many great memories and, and an outstanding career in the National Hockey League. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, Moj. I always enjoyed listening to you. Thank you. Cliff Ronning, our subject of the bio, MojonSports.com. Searching for a new home? Make todayshomebc.com your online home base. With easy-to-search listings and connections to local realtors, everything you need is under one roof. Powered by Black Press Media, you can search hundreds of local listings all in one place. Access the top real estate professionals to help you find the perfect home today at todayshomebc.com.